0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include lender profitability and sentiment, takeaways from the Fed meeting, and an interview with Dan Purcell from Richie May, who manages the firm's internal audit practice for banks, credit unions, and fintech organizations, as well as focusing on providing services related to fair lending and other regulatory requirements related to the use of Humda data across all institutional types. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. The firm has also consistently been recognized as one of the fastest growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in mortgage, Accounting Today firms to watch, and the fastest growing firms and an excellence in firm culture by Inside Public Accounting several times. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit RichieMay.com. For the fifth consecutive quarter, most mortgage lenders expect near-term profitability to decrease, according to Fannie Mae's fourth quarter mortgage lender sentiment survey. According to the survey, 65% of mortgage lenders believe profit margins will decrease in the next three months, up from 46% in the prior quarter while 31% believe profits will remain the same and 3% believe profits will increase. Competition from other lenders and market trend changes were once again the top reasons cited for the profitability expectations. Additionally, across all loan types, more lenders this quarter reported reduced consumer demand over the previous three months for both purchase and refinance mortgages. Looking ahead, again across all loan types, lenders on net expect purchase mortgage demand to remain largely stable, while refinance demand is expected to decrease substantially call it a return to a more normal state in the new year, following the boom experienced over the past two years due to historically low mortgage rates and pandemic-related changes in homebuyer behavior. With both net loan production income levels and the width of the current primary-secondary spread, an indicator of potential profitability, still slightly above pre-pandemic levels, lenders will likely continue investing in capacity efficiency and process streamlining to maintain profitability despite the thinner margin environment. So Federal Reserve officials have intensified their battle against the hottest U.S. inflation in a generation by moving to end their asset-buying program earlier and signaling they favor raising interest rates in 2022 at a faster pace than expected. The FOMC left the overnight rate unchanged again, though acknowledged the continued recovery in economic activity and the labor market. In a clear signal, the statement announced that the pace of Treasury and agency securities reduction is being meaningfully accelerated. Suggesting that the tightening cycle may be happening sooner and more pronounced than previously signaled. The central bank will double the pace at which it's scaling back net purchases of treasuries and mortgage backed securities to $30 billion a month, $20 billion for treasury securities, and $10 billion for agency MBS, starting with the mid January purchase schedule, which puts it on track to conclude the program in early 2022 rather than mid year as initially planned. The FOMC judges that similar reductions in the pace of net asset purchases will likely be appropriate each month but it is prepared to adjust the pace of purchases if warranted by changes in the economic outlook. The FOMC statement removed any mention of transitory with regard to inflation, saying that it was appropriate to maintain this target range until labor market conditions have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment. The committee also directed the open market trade desk or the desk at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to increase the system open market account or soma holdings of treasury securities by at least $40 billion per month and of Agency MBS by at least $20 billion per month during the monthly purchase period beginning on January 14th. The desk will also continue to roll over at auction all principal payments from Soma Holdings of maturing treasury securities. The desk purchases of Agency MBS will continue to generally be concentrated in recently produced coupons in 30-year and 15-year fixed rate Agency MBS in the to-be-announced market, and will continue to reinvest principal payments from Agency MBS and Agency Debt in Agency MBS. Mortgage rates have been kept lower than they otherwise would have been through the Fed's purchases of longer term treasuries and MBS. So, forecasts are now that mortgage rates will rise to 4% by the end of 2022 and may be more volatile as the Fed backs away from the market. Joining us today is Dan Purcell from Richie May. Dan has recently joined Richie May, managing the firm's internal audit practice for banks credit unions, and fintech organizations, as well as focusing on providing services related to fair lending and other regulatory requirements related to the use of Humda data across all institutional types. Dan has two decades of experience in leading high-performing cross-functional teams performing internal audit and risk management services, and is active in the internal auditing profession. We are pleased to have him on the podcast today. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good let's start with the basics. Can you define for our listeners what exactly these regulations are and, and what is covered under them?
1: We're going to talk about a couple of different regulations today. We'll start first with the Community Reinvestment Act since it is the older of the regulations that uh, we'll be discussing today. It was passed back in the late 1970s and was designed to uh, promote financial institutions to ensure that their services were distributed equally among the community, um, and to reduce a practice called redlining, which would essentially be where banks would take a, essentially a red pen, because they used to do it on old maps and draw lines around certain areas zip codes or where they knew the income track to be lower. So there's that. And then uh, a newer regulation, which was born out of the uh, creation of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau after the 2008 financial crisis is fair lending, which really focuses specifically on two regulations in there, Reg B, which is the majority of it, and Reg C. But basically, that is to ensure that in mortgage lending, that all borrowers are treated the same. And so when doing fair lending, uh, you do an analysis of the protected basis groups, which could be based on race, nationality, gender, age, and, and some other factors against a control group. And the control group is usually defined as white males under the age of 62.
0: Can you shed some light on what examiners look for under each and what enforcement measures exist?
1: Sure. For the Community Reinvestment Act, it can be three different regulators. So depending on how you're chartered, uh, your regulator could be the Federal Reserve Bank, it could be the OCC, or it could be the FDIC. But actually all Community Reinvestment Act ratings are actually published under the FFIAC, which is the agency that coordinates regulatory reporting and examination across these different these different agencies. So CRA is essentially looking, the examiners is looking to ensure that you're providing products across the, the spectrum of your service area so that you are not taking some uh, products and services and offering them in one area and not the other. You get a rating from them, it could be anywhere from outstanding all the way down to ratings, which would negatively impact your business from a reputational standpoint, as well as uh, if you are not categorized as outstanding and your CRA ratings could restrict your ability to enter into new services and products as you present those to the regulators. When it comes to fair lending, essentially the regulators are looking for your reports to show that there is not a strong correlation across your your products and your services as it relates to the control group versus the protected basis groups. So essentially what that means is if you're showing a strong correlation, that can be an indicator that your fair lending practices are not being followed, that you're providing preferential treatment to uh, the control group to the detriment of the protected basis groups. And so for that, from an enforcement measure perspective, they're looking for correlation as well as accuracy of data. So for instance, there was recently an an institution that was fined $200,000 for submitting incorrect HMDA data. So obviously as institutions based on your size, you either have to report that that to data annually or quarterly. If you're considered one of the largest institutions, so inaccurate reporting of data it has been a hot topic for the CFPB, as well as uh, again fines and penalties for offering lending products to protected classes, whether that is you know either through higher denial rates, pricing, or not offering certain products to certain groups of lenders. You could also receive fines and penalties in those areas if you are servicing or providing lending products to, again, in more favorable terms, to the control group versus the protected basis groups.
0: As you mentioned, these two sets of regulations are similar. Where and how do they overlap?
1: So essentially, the biggest overlap is the data set that is used when conducting these assessments. So the the data for home lending is based on your your Humda Lars. So your home mortgage Dis- disclosure act, loan application reporting, which I mentioned, you know, depending on your institution's size, is either required annually for most institutions or quarterly for the largest institutions. So the loan application data that's collected includes information on race gender age income you know anything that you would need to properly underwrite your loans so all of those all of that information is collected but the difference where where they where they differentiate is how the data is looked at so for fair lending it's it's looked at application data for the control group versus those protected basis groups. And so the protected base groups, again, age, gender, nationality, race, ethnicity. So the fair lending examinations kind of stop there where the CRA expands upon that, looks at location data such as zip code, as well as looking at income track data that is that is publicly available. So It takes it a little bit, CRA takes it a little bit farther in looking at it um, with a little more targeted scrutiny, especially on location, in addition to the demographic information of the loan applicants.
0: I know you and your team study these regulations probably almost daily. What do you see on the horizon?
1: So, a few things we see on the horizon. One thing to consider is that even though administrations may change, control of Congress may change, once these regulations are on the books, they're unlikely to come off the books. Although the level of enforcement may change depending on who happens to be in charge at Washington at the moment. So, one of the things we're seeing is there is Uh, The potential for expanded HMDA data reporting, especially as it relates to gender, if if and when the Build Back Better Act passes Congress. Um, Currently, gender has three definitions. So it can be male, female, or both. And Build Back Better would mimic the Equality Act uh, to recognize other additional genders that you would have to require for your um, data capture. So that would require updates in your in your servicing in your loan application and servicing systems to capture that data. Additionally, with that, the CFPB actually this week just issued a news release talking about some of the things that they're noting in their current exam schedule. So they've noticed. An increase in fair lending issues during the pandemic, as well as they're noting issues with the forbearance fees, which obviously from the CARES Act, the forbearance fees were supposed to be restricted for a period of time, you know, as we worked through the the beginnings of the pandemic and ensuring that people would be able to stay in their homes. And so now some of those provisions have expired. There's additional scrutiny around how those fees have been calculated, how they're being Charged and if they were supposed to be supposed to be charged in the first place. So those are some interesting points from the CFPB issuance this week. As well, the CFPB has noted that pandemic-related leniency related to your examinations is no longer in effect. So that your exam you should expect your examinations to feel like they did pre-COVID. And to expect a higher level of scrutiny from your regulators and your examiners going forward, another interesting topic that is related to the humda data collection fair lending type activities is that there's a there's a concept out there that is coming down it's coming down the pipe called fair servicing and so regulations are being established to ensure that not only are these groups being treated fairly at the time of application, but also at the time, you know, post-closing to where these loans are now being serviced. So currently some of the data that would be required, that looks like it will be required to have fair servicing, you know, to comply with fair servicing would be things like borrower's preferred language. So if you have a borrower who would indicate the the question will be asked, what is your preferred language? If your preferred language is not English, the servicers need to have policies, procedures in place to ensure that these borrowers could then talk to someone in their native language, or documentation could be issued in that native language. So it adds a layer of complexity for the servicing industry to ensure that you have language skills on your staff, not only from a customer service, but also from a legal and compliance perspective to ensure that the required disclosures uh, are, are adequately translated into these languages. And so this becomes also especially important when dealing with loans that have become distressed in some way, whether that's delinquency, foreclosure, you know, forbearance coming out of the timeframe of the care suspension of those activities over time. So we anticipate those to be finalized in the next you know, 12 months or so. And that the uh, expectation is that the regulators would begin looking at that shortly after.
0: In your opinion, what can our listeners do today to be better prepared?
1: So the first thing is here sitting in um, the middle of December. So year ends coming up. And so your HMDA data submissions will be uh, coming upon, your requirements will be coming upon you here shortly uh, to get that data submitted by the beginning of March. So really when thinking about preparing your HMDA data for submission, look at things you can do to validate your data, ensure the accuracy of your data that you're submitting. Again, like I mentioned earlier, the CFPB examiners have looked at and have find institutions for submitting inaccurate data. So ensuring you're submitting accurate data is a, is a key point. Again, from that, once you have that validated data, you know, analyze your data. And if you're noticing where you have potential issues, whether that's, you know, from pricing or underwriting or anything else related to the the loan application and decisioning process, take a look at that and develop your own corrective action plans and start implementing those as soon as possible. Generally, if you find an issue in your own data and take actions to correct it, when the regulators come in, they look favorably upon those organizations that self-identify these issues and are working to correct them. And again, like I said, regulations will not go away. The enforcement may change, but they won't go away. So think about how you can do the best in your organizations to make the, the data submission process as smooth as possible while also ensuring that you're submitting accurate data. And so, and this I know can be a lot, especially for smaller institutions. If you don't have the the abilities in-house or the resources in-house to do that, reach out to a third party. You know, someone like Richie May or another firm such, such as ours to help assist with that. We have folks on staff who can help you in these in these processes to uh, ensure that your submissions happen timely and accurately.
0: Well, based on your knowledge and the knowledge of your colleagues that I've spoken with on the show already, I think they should reach out to Richie May. So, thank you very much for coming on and talking to me, Dan. I uh, appreciate the time.
1: Great, great. Thank you very much. appreciate it.
0: Following yesterday's Fed events, today brings more central bank decisions from abroad. The Bank of England raised rates. We also had decisions from Swiss National Bank, Norges Bank, and the ECB. The domestic calendar is underway with weekly jobless claims in at 206,000 with 1.845 million continuing claims. We've also had housing starts and building permits for November, up 11.8% and 3.6%, with starts posting a 1.679 million annualized number, and Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing for December, and at 15.4, a significant drop. Later this morning brings November Industrial Production and Capacity Utilization, Preliminary December Market PMIs, Freddie Mac's Primary Mortgage Market Survey, and KC Fed Manufacturing for December. Treasury will auction an estimated $20 billion every open 20 year bonds and an estimated $17 billion every open 5 year tips for conducting two buybacks $1.6 billion of 10 year to 22.5 year coupons, followed by $1.5 billion of 1 year to 7.5 year tips. The desk will purchase up to $4.2 billion of 30 year MBS. We start Thursday with agency MBS prices nearly unchanged from Wednesday and the 10 year yielding 1.47 after closing yesterday at 1.46%. Despite Fed rate hikes in 2022, now priced into fixed-income markets. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Here's a mortgage-related Christmas one for you. "'Twas the night before closing, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The boxes were packed in the garage with care, in hopes that their moving van soon would be there. The realtors were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of commission checks danced in their heads. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Richie May. For over 30 years, Richie May has been deeply involved in the mortgage industry to bring solutions and innovation through advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more about how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit RichieMay.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com.